Hey everybody, it is your man DJ Doris E. And I'm Maya Dorsey. And this is another edition of the Dorsey Den podcast. We have company. I didn't tell you all. We we don't because it's like we're in our house, but technically you all at your house. We say when we bring people in, we have company because they're not guests because we're sitting on the couch. So you guys are our company. Um so come on in everybody. Well no. Well yeah, come on in. We kind of out of this quarantine thing a little bit. Come on, move in. over. You're taking up the whole couch. There you, man, <laughs> I know you listen, Greg. There you go. Move over. Put your feet up. Put your feet up. And let's have some dialogue. Turn the TV mm-hmm. off real quick. So, um, we are in a time where, for me, is unbelievable. Uh, I'm. I'm. I, I was born in '81, so I didn't see anything from the civil rights, you know, except for the images that we've seen in in books and on the internet and things of that sort. So um, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm really at, I'm really just shocked about what's going on. But then again, I'm not shocked. Uh, I think for black people, it's something that we've seen a lot. Um, do, do you all remember the group NWA? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I remember they was talking about things that was going on in California. And Wave, you probably could speak on this because you, you stayed in California. Well, but um you know, they were talking about things that were going on and kind of like nobody really believed it in a sense until we seen Rodney King get beat on video. Mm-hmm. So it was one of those things where it was like, whoa, these guys have really been talking about it, but it was like, once they finally seen it, it was kind of like an eye opener. And I think what's going on today, I'm curious to hear you two, Wavy and Greg, I'm curious to hear how do you see it? Because like with the, like I said, with the Rodney King thing, it was an eye opener for a lot of people. Um, but uh, uh, the people that has been experiencing were like, Hey, we've been seeing it. So is, is this something that has been an eye opener to you from, from just from your standpoint, like you guys, you know, white female, white male. Um, we, as far as black people, we've been kind of like crying out that these things have been going on for years. But now that we see it on video, it's kind of like, whoa. Like, what, what would you guys respond? So I'll start with who want to go first? Wavy ladies first. <laughs> Thank you. Um, you know, some of the story that I shared just in my personal life, I've had um, experience where, you know, my family was beaten by cops when they came, um, when something was going on. I've seen different um, different sides of it all being played out and um but it is i mean i think i was sick sickened to see the murder of george floyd on i mean i tears in my eyes and you know our um i have diversity going throughout my family so i i'm concerned about my grandkids and my cousins and it's just um it's it's hard on the soul and i just want to reach out and be like, where can we start? Where can, what can we do to start having the conversation? I yeah. know um, I had mentioned white privilege. And to me, I think the approach had, to be able to get both sides to converse, you don't want to turn anyone off. So that whole approach has to come through knowing everyone's open and willing to talk about what we can do, where we can start. Absolutely. Absolutely. And Greg, what about you? Well, uh, I come from a military background where I spent six years in the army. So there was only one color and it was, uh, it was, uh, olive drab green. And, uh, uh, I just, I, I never knew there was white. I never knew there was black. Uh, you get so intimately close with people that you serve with. Uh, and I grew up in Flint, Michigan. So, uh, I grew up in a diverse city to start. And uh, so going in the military and becoming uh, best friends when I went to Korea or when I went to basic training or when I landed at my final duty station, uh, it, it, was, it was the norm. And then getting out of the Army and uh, just trying to stay fit. I play basketball, so I've had occasion – for the past 15 years, I've built such a strong bond with uh, guys I play basketball with, and they come from every background that you can think of. I mean, guys that play right here from center. We play in Oakwood uh, at the high school, 
and we have guys from the inner city. We've had, uh, it's been so neat because we've had really talented guys from the inner city come play with us. AJ Harris, who went to Ohio State, Devin Foster, who went to Penn State. And just, I've, I've developed a bond with them. When this happened, I reached out to each and every one of them by text message and a couple texted me back today and I just said, I cannot imagine what you guys are going through. I want you guys to know that I stand with you, that I love you. And uh, if I were ever in the same geography where anything like that were taking place, uh, they'd have to get past me to get to you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, I just love those guys. So it isn't even a matter uh, – it, it isn't reaching out to people of a different race. It's me just reaching out to my friends. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I know I know one thing about you, Greg, is that um, you like for instance, sometimes you go like I don't know, probably before the quarantine, you would go play basketball mm-hmm. uh, in the mornings um, mm-hmm. at a particular school, and it'll be guys of all different backgrounds, everything. And um, we've had conversations now, and and maybe I'm I'm a circle back to you because I I have a kind of similar question, but. We, we've had conversations about you going to play basketball. And I think some things with you having other friends that were, um, that are black that has been stopped by cops and things of that sort. And one friend in particular has like, just kind of like mm. bad memories and mm. just he's hurt. Like, so what, what is like, when you see that happening, what is your perspective? And the reason why I'm asking this and the reason why, and, and just to be honest, the reason why I asked both of you all to come on along with me and my wife is, I mean, it's obvious. We're we're um we're in a time where I said earlier, this is kind of like a eye opener, and I think some of the things that I've seen, um, I don't know, some of the things that I've seen on social media, and and I, it might be some of my white peers that say, "Oh my God, I kind of knew, but I didn't know." Like, is this something that you're like, "Yeah, I, I've heard about it, but now I see it." Is that, is that your perspective? Are you kind of like, no, I, I kind of knew this existed. You know, I, I ask, I ask questions. If you remember back one of our, uh, one of our uh, dinner early on, I asked you, I said, tell me about what you've been through because the gentleman that you brought up when, uh, uh, when Ferguson exploded and black lives matter took off, mm-hmm. Uh, I reached out to uh, a couple of my inner city guys. I reached out to some people here. I coach, uh, I coach a young man that I love dearly and I love his mom. And I reached out to her and we had breakfast and another friend of mine that coaches. uh, And I asked them, I said, I have never experienced anything nearly. So kind of share with me some of the things that you guys did. And that's where Josiah shared with me uh, just, some of his experiences and that's where you shared with me a couple of your experiences and they 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 hurt my heart but i need to hear them mm-hmm. because i'll never know i'll never experience what you do and i'll never experience what josiah did or i'll never experience uh you know potentially what your son may so i need to understand it through your eyes mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and wavy um with you you and this, I was like I said by your status, I was kind of like, "Whoa!" You grew up in the inner city, you grew up in the projects, and you had some situations happen to you where you've had some run-ins. Can you can you break that down a little bit from just just from your perspective? Yeah, um, you know, for me, it's hard because well, I just I would be blind to say, or I would be blind if I said when I seen somebody, I don't recognize their color because you know I can see. And not that I don't appreciate the, you know, anybody like you, but it's, I mean, I see that we, in the boot camp you talk about that we met, um, there's such a diverse crowd there. And I love being there because we get so much energy and, um, you know, just ideals and to see all the different walks of life there. And uh, I just, I just wish, I mean, cause I, you know, this whole racism, racism is alive and real and I've seen it and I know, um, and it's just so disheartening. Um, one of the things I heard today was a family, a black man's child asked him, like, dad, does this mean we're gonna be slaves again? Mm-hmm. And, and I, I mean, 
it's just, I can't, I can't imagine. Mm. But even with the stuff that I went through, I get, um, you know, I've never had, like I said, white privilege bestowed upon me. I've had situations and that came up and I've had to deal with that. And by the grace of God, I'm where I am today because what I shared on Facebook was to let people know, I mean, we all know right from wrong. And I just feel like, um, in my eyes, all the rioting and looting is taken away from, you know, the, the message it's drowning that out. And I just, I don't know, you know, where to start to how to be able to speak to, you know, any of my friends, my family and reach out, like, what do we do? How do we mm -hmm. begin to heal and to make sure this doesn't happen anymore? That injustice is out there. Um, it's just, it's so disheartening to me and to hear that and to see it, regardless of seeing it in the past. And it just, it just really, it's, it cuts hard and deep. And, you know, that's why I kind of accepted this because maybe this conversation, starting this conversation, it can be reached out and, yeah. you know, more conversations, more people to get out there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you got any questions? Can you hear me? Yeah. Wavy, I have a question because um, I don't want to make an assumption. Do you identify yourself as white? I do. I'm a white female. Okay. All right. Just because I don't want to make any assumptions, like, no. you know. Oh, she likes skin black or something. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> are you mixed? Or are you something? Okay. So, um, can you give uh, the context? I didn't see the message on Facebook. So, mm -hmm. I don't know what that was, but for myself and for the audience, can you kind of give a little bit more context to what your message was on Facebook? Sure. Um, my message was about um, the, the phrase white privilege being thrown around. <clears throat> Every time I hear that, I feel like I'm, I should be ashamed or guilty of the person God created me to be. And I can't, you know, we're all created in his image. And it's just, to me, I have a hard time um, with that phrase. I don't, to me, I think there's racism and I don't believe there's privilege. I privilege is something that you get something without that you don't deserve. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've, like I said on there that I have busted my butt for everything that I have. Um, I shared experiences that I had in my past. I, like um, Terrence said, I grew up in the projects, um, Parkside Homes, and then we moved up into the trailer park. Uh, throughout my life living down on, off in North Maine, when I was five years old, um, we had a black man break into our apartment and he picked me up off the couch where I was sleeping. And when I woke up, he had me on the top step and my panties were off and my nightgown was up. Mm. I screamed and he took off running. But I still had, like, every morning I had to go down to the bus stop down the road. So I was afraid. I was, you know, going down to the bus stop. Mm -hmm. When I was 15, I had an incident where I was at a payphone calling my dad to check in. And I had three black men pull up, and they holler out the window, hey, how much? Referencing mm -hmm. that I'm a hooker or something out there. Mm -hmm. And, of course, you know, I, I said, uh, you know, something like, you can't afford it or whatever it would have been in my 15-year-old self. These men jumped out of their car, and after getting into a verbal altercation, one of them had a crowbar and knocked me out with a crowbar. Yeah. Uh, we moved, my family, you know, we had a rough life. We moved to California twice, trying to escape not having anything here in Ohio. Mm -hmm. The second time we went to California, my mom, my stepdad, one of my brothers, and myself, um, we lived in a hotel room the whole time we were there, a little over a year. My mom and stepdad were out drinking and drugging. So my brother and I, we started, we ended up running with the Crips in Orange County. Mm. So the things that we seen and witnessed during that time, um, I seen a lot of, you know, injustice, injustices, what was going on. But um, my mom, eventually we moved back to Ohio. Mm -hmm. And I shared that it wasn't, you know, in my mind, it wasn't only black people that I feel that I was oppressed by. I had three of my uncles molest me for my entire childhood. I had two stepdads, both of them beat me throughout my childhood because they would beat my mom and I would try to protect her. So every time I got involved, I was beaten during that um, confrontation. 
So I just, I mean, I got a big heart. I right. wear it on my sleeve and I just want everybody to be, be able to help each other and be able to look out for one another, regardless of who you are, um, what you've been through. So in my mind, there were times I, you know, thought about revenge and what I could do to get back, but I'm an adult. I know right from wrong. And, you know, I just, I took a different route and that's what I was trying. My point I was trying to make is the looting and the writing that's going on. You know, people were like, this is, you know, from what happened to them or, you know, things. And I get it, but mm -hmm. you know, that's wrong. You're tearing up our communities, um, people who have worked hard to build these businesses. And so that's what, where I was going with the point that I made. And so I just, and not, didn't want any pity, no one to feel sorry for me. Just wanted to share that you can come from nothing and still, you know, be, be something when you grow up and respect and love everybody and so that's try why to make you, things better. So that's why you say you kind of have a problem with the privilege part. Right, right. Yeah, I get it. I get it. But I have a question about the, I mean, thank you for sharing. Cause that's, you know, very, and just like, wow, that's, 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 that's deep. Um, what, how do you, being attacked, sexually violated, um, and I guess attacked by black men, how does that, I mean, what was your process on getting through that and trusting? Because sometimes, you know, even if it's the same race as you, when you're attacked, you know, there's some wounds there that you have to, that you have reservations for dealing with certain types of people that fit into that category. So how did you go about moving and navigating life following those different incidents um, and navigating around Black men? And then like, what did your perception become as a result? So let me, before you answer that, hold that question because I know Greg got to get out of here in a few minutes. So mm -hmm. we don't have to end it. I'm, I just want to circle back to that, but that's, okay. that's a very good question. Now, um, can I mean, comment on, can I, can I say something about what Wavy said? Because yeah. Wavy really said something that struck a chord with me. I don't think, and, and Wavy, I want you to correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, I'm picking up very similar, uh, a DJ, you and I have talked. Uh, my brother was murdered by a black man. Uh, I've been robbed at gunpoint twice by a black man, but I don't think of those three incidents. I look at that as simple evil. There's mm -hmm. evil out there in every color. Mm -hmm. And I didn't, I never once said, uh, a, a black man murdered my brother, so I am going to take a position against someone that has the same color as that that guy. I looked at that guy. That guy's just evil, and there's white evil, and there's Asian evil, and there's mm -hmm. there's uh, Hispanic evil, and I just looked at that as evil. And and wavy would that be maybe some of how you categorized it because your story resonates with me as far as uh what happened yet you still i i love as hard as you can love somebody i mean uh when when dj and i get together i cannot explain the happiness that i feel when i'm with my friend and he is exactly that simply my friend there's no adjectives that come before it and None of what took place with my brother or the two incidences I have have in any way, shape, or form jaded my position. Uh, Wavy, is that, if I could, if I could ask that, is that some of your, co not coping, just reality? I don't, I don't hold a grudge towards a black man because I have black people in some parts saved me. When I was in California, the Crips that we hung around with, they were protecting me. They were making sure that I was being taken care of and wasn't getting, you know, something else that may have happened to me. So that, um, it truly, for me, because of things I went through in my life, um, it just, 
I, I truly thank the grace of God. I don't see, I'm not afraid of any, I'm not afraid of the black man. I, um, you know, I'm not, I had the white, I had my white family, you know, harm me and everything. So I don't see that too. And I agree there's evil in every race and color and every mm -hmm. career field and everything. So um, I don't see a problem with that. I just, I'm wondering again, you know, I have a granddaughter who is biracial and my cousin who I'm the closest with her family, you know, and so I worry about not only my family, but the friends, like you said, I have friends that I'm with throughout, you know, the days, the weeks and we're, that's, that's what we are. We're friends. Right. We love being together. Um, and I just, I just don't, I think forgiving people, I truly, you know, have forgiven. And so until the other night, seeing that phrase come up, just kind of, you know, I started thinking, I'm like, you know, I don't have those harsh feelings towards anybody. And so I just don't, that's, I don't understand. And so how someone can continue to um, use that as the reason on why they're doing stuff that's not right. And that's where I was going with that. Well, I just, I loved Maya's question to you and I loved listening to, and just knowing DJ and and knowing Maya through DJ, uh, there's automatic qualification with friends and people that you hang with. You're an immediate friend who has a good heart because they know you. Mm -hmm. And it just it just it seemed to me that there was some. I just DJ, you're gonna laugh. I right before we went live, mm -hmm. I put a social media post up because, and I didn't use the term white privilege, but. I see a lot of shaming going on out there, and I think it is predominantly in the white community. And I think there are a lot of people in the white community that attempt to make themselves feel better mm -hmm. by saying that they feel they have white privilege. And they use it as a term to shame other people, and uh, I'll try to clean this up here, but I said, you know what? How about stopping shaming anybody for what they're doing? How about you just shut the hell up with that and just go out and love somebody? Mm -hmm. How about you reach out to a friend and you tell them, I love you. And what I can't imagine what a black man is going through right now. I just, uh, uh, I just went through uh, some uh, a text exchange with one of the guys I play basketball with, and I told him, I said, man, I miss, kind of like I tell you, I miss being with you, and man, mm -hmm. I just can't imagine in this time where I know you are hurting the most, it hurts me to be away from you. Yeah, yeah. And I, yeah. I want to know, I want you to know that right now I stand with you, and that's the best I can do right now, and I hope that provides just some kind of support for you. And he was like, man. Yeah, and I, I remember seeing the post that you put up a while ago that was like, you know, and I already knew before you posted it, like, I knew you got our back. Now, there is something I want to ask, too, um, which is very, very sensitive. Um, and this is this. <laughs> this Go ahead. How Go much ahead. time okay. you got, Greg? We're good. Go ahead. Okay. So when it comes to everything that's going on, you know, uh, and Greg, we, we've had our behind the scenes conversation about Make America Great Again. Um, and I told you before, I was like, uh it's never been great for us. So mm -hmm. it was like, who, who is that for? Mm -hmm. um, and I say it's sensitive because a lot of times on our podcast, we really don't talk politics and religion, mm -hmm. but a little bit things different. My insisted, like, no, we probably need to touch on. I'm like, eh, 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 I don't think so. But since while, while we're here, um, president Trump made a statement uh, recently I'm, I'm trying, I'm going to paraphrase because I don't remember exactly what he said, but talking about the rioters and the looters, and mm -hmm. which is kind of like, you know, use extreme force. Mm -hmm. And I, for me, I just didn't find comfort in that because I'm like, I don't know. I, I, it, I didn't, it, it kind of made me feel a little more fearful, like, oh, snap, here come the National Guard. Mm -hmm. um, they're about to infuse curfew. Um, what, what does that mean? Because I feel that things just, a lot of things that he say doesn't really comfort the black community at all. Mm -hmm. It doesn't really comfort the black community at all. As a matter of fact, it kind of, 
incites a little bit more fear. Like, what do you mean by do what you got to do and governors, mm-hmm. you guys, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, it's, I don't know, it's very touchy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's everything that's going on. I don't even know if they're protesting right now, but I think the curfew, I don't know if that's been enforced. Has that been enforced? I don't know. Okay. But I know there was like a curfew that was suggested. I don't think the president has that authority. I think the governors of each state has to enforce it. If I'm correct, I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent on that, but um, I don't know. Even though, even that just coming from the president, it's kind of like, it doesn't offer any more comfort. It kind of incites a little bit more fear. Like, okay, mm. what does that mean? Mm. So I don't, I don't really know how to really perceive what he's saying. Let me, let me, if you, if I could just interject. Um, yeah. Uh, I think from DC, we often don't think it's easy to be critical of anyone that is there. Uh, my, my middle daughter and I disagree as uh, we're as uh, opposite ends of the spectrum when it comes to politics as there is. Mm-hmm. We the, one that thing that, the one thing that we both agree on is the answer is not going to come from Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. I'd be disappointed if President Trump were the only one that had the answer. Mm-hmm. I'd be disappointed if everybody looked to President Trump for the answer, as I would. I'd be disappointed if it were everybody looking to Ronald Reagan or Barack Obama or Bill Clinton. I think the answer is local. And I think the answer is getting on this podcast and me telling you every time we leave, you and I don't have a problem telling each other we love each other mm-hmm. and getting wavy on the phone. And having Maya listen to everything that Wavy said and being so interested in her story that she wanted to drill down and know and answer that Wavy had already explained an extremely difficult upbringing. Maya cared enough to say, tell me more about that. Mm -hmm. And this is where, in my opinion, change takes place. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, if we ever have to look at it, even as high up as the mayor of Centerville or the mayor of Dayton, I know that they can provide direction and I know that they can provide boundaries and sometimes resources. But this, I was so happy when you said that you wanted to do this. Mm-hmm. Number one, just so that we could spend time talking because that's what we both love to do. Mm-hmm. But it's oh, become fascinating some, to me. It's become, I loved Maya's question. Maya immediately identified, whoa, Wavy has been through some incredible things. Please tell me more about your situation. That's where stuff gets and, fixed. And how that, how that impacts your view and your landscape of how you see the world from those, that, those eyes. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times our experience is what shapes how we interact with others. Mm-hmm. So we may have a knowledge base of how we should interact, mm-hmm. but our experiences oftentimes impact it. And so sometimes racism is, is you're, I, don't, I don't believe anybody's born racist, right? But you're conditioned based on your environment to continue, you know, to, to move into that okay, I'm going to adopt this ideology and, and this belief because it's around me. It's, I'm hearing mm-hmm. it, I'm seeing it, and so I'm a part of it. But when you have, for example, if you have been attacked or have had some sort of trauma by a particular race, and in this instance, a Black person, mm-hmm. how does that now, you know, I was trying to get into how does that now shape your lens and how you see the world? Because sometimes I wonder you know, how do people move in that space? Like, do you see all black people as, you know, bad criminals? What, you know, how, how does that, and then that, that drills down to how you raise your children, how your children raise your, their children. And then it becomes this generational thing of all black men are horrible. They're, they're, they're murderers, they're killers, they're this, they're that. this narrative begins to play. So that's why I asked that question. I see why you love her, DJ. 
I see how you love her. I, I love, I love the difficult, you know, this is what society misses. Society is missing these intimate conversations to try to understand more. They really are. There's no way that the racial divide that does, and it does is this, and it makes me sick to my stomach that it does. But the only way that this gets solved is by that question being asked so that you can understand uh, what she's been through and everything. That's the only way. And people are so afraid. Mm -hmm. Do you remember your question? I don't. Do you remember what she asked you? I think she, she asked me how yeah. I, how it made me feel by the things that have happened in my life being attacked. If that has kind of clouded my vision or my, my perspective um, towards a black man or the black race, and it you know for me, my my personality, I want to get to know people. So you know, one thing. Um, the friends that we have, the the unit, when I go down to the boot camp at the unit, the people that I share um, that workout with, I, I love getting to know people. And that's, you know, just at work, uh, people, you know, we talk about business, but I'm like, how, how are you? How was your weekend? Tell me about you. And I think with me trying to reach out, I mean, I feel like people are receptive. I mean, I think there's more good people out there that I truly believe there's more good people than bad people. I agree. But it's, um, you know, we're seeing the, this horrendous, um, these images and what's going on. And I just, it's devastating. And I do, I feel that division because I'm like, I don't want that. I want us mm -hmm. to all be able to get along. So this is, this is a start. And I, uh, I want to read something to wavy that kind of speaks to, one of the things, I love this, um, my son's uh, counselor at Centerville High School posted this right here, and it was a way to look at what is taking place right now because it's sad that focus is placed on what's going on, not with protests, but with looters because that's not where the focus belongs. She posted, and I want to give her credit. This is uh, Andrea uh, Fleischman, and she's a counselor at Centerville High School. She said, here's an example of how, and she does use the term white privilege, but I like how she used it. Here's an example of how white privilege sounds. You keep saying it's horrible that an innocent black man was killed, but destroying property has to stop. What if we said this, it's horrible that property is being destroyed, but killing innocent black men must stop. What if we flip that? And I love how she took what everybody's saying, oh, the looting's got to stop. Sure, we all want that to stop. What took place with George Floyd is what needs to stop. Mm -hmm. It's unfortunate that the looting has taken place. But that's not where the focus should be. The fact that she made, she flipped my, she took my thought process and made me do a 180. And I literally said, we're mad about the wrong thing. Right. And I think, I mean, because again, I agree. Um, I, white privilege, that's, that's such a negative phrase for me. And that's just me. And I can't, that's the way I feel. And I can't mm -hmm. make anybody else feel mm -hmm. any other way but I think um and that is I, my my point when I posted that was everything else that's going on is drowned in that mess drowned in the point that we are you know we're mourning this you know man who was murdered by a cop and that's horrible and then like everything being videotaped these days you see that <laughs> the destruction and not only destruction of property but human beings I mean mm -hmm. people are getting just either killed or mauled or and I, I mean it just it's it's just so disheartening to see that I mean it truly I feel it it hurts my heart my soul um I just it's hard to see and you know you, on of course the news that's all that's going on all that's being played that's all so, you see yeah so just trying to step away from that to realize I mean it's there and that's the stuff that is making it so hard to focus on the point 
that we should be focused on. And before I even read that social media text last night when my wife and my uh, one of my sons were there, before I even read that, my wife told my son, if we continue to focus on the looting and everything, in five years, we're going to be right back here because another innocent black man is going to be killed if that's where we place the focus. Yeah. I know it's inconvenient and it's hard to watch and nobody, but... I think 100 per, I think a 99 I want to believe in my heart that 99% of the people that looked at what happened to George Floyd everybody in unison said that is wrong and if we mm -hmm. can keep the focus there maybe in 5 years we won't be dealing with this again maybe there will be some steps that move forward gosh that's what I pray for Absolutely Same I have here. A, I have a question because even with my um, team today, we had a call, a Zoom call, where um, I would give praise to my, my superior, uh, my boss, who gave space for us to have this conversation. And um, it became a very emotional conversation. And so I've been asked um, by different people, like, as a white person, what can I do? You know, how do I, how do I help? I'm, I'm here for you. I, you know, I love you. I support you. How do I help? And one of the things that I want to ask you is, you both, is how comfortable are you having a conversation about calling out race with your friends? Like, how do you call out race with your friends when they say something racist or some sort of microaggression or slight, you know, because they happen. Again, this is about culture this is about environment this is this is something that's embedded and ingrained in our culture so oftentimes even for a black person we'll we'll hear it and maybe because of where we are at the time our job or whatever we'll kind of like let it go you know because you don't want to be the angry black person that you're around here rah rah because every time someone says boo you say something but you do want to know that your white colleague are also paying attention and willing to have that conversation even if you feel like you cannot so how do you all move in that having conversations with your white counterparts or family members or whomever um around race i'm gonna let wavy go first on this one again ladies first and then i'll probably uh mm -hmm. after i answer have to duck out at that point right there okay. but wavy please go ahead Sure. Um, I know in my family, I have family members on my mom's side who they still, you know, have make racist comments about, you know, my family, where we've been, um, you know, when we tried to better ourselves and get away from that way of life, we were told that we think we're better than everybody and everything. And it was just, but when we hear them make these comments, they know it's not it's not going to be tolerated at my house around me. Um, actually, to those family members, we don't even talk to anymore. At work, you know, they know my family and no one, I haven't been confronted with that. My kids, I have a 27-year-old son and a 26-year-old daughter, and um, they they love everybody. I mean, they're some of their best friends, you know, and I, I hate saying that because people are like, oh, everybody always says my best friend is mm. black mm -hmm. or something. I have, I have a friend that's black, right? Well, just, right. just, Wavy, just say uh, one of the DJs is going to DJ the wedding is black. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so, exactly. So, you know, it's just, um, mm. but I, they, they appreciate the culture. I mean, they, I don't know, they just, they thrive. I mean, they want to be around people of different ethnicities and stuff. They, they thrive on that because the energy they get of being around there. And so when I, I just, I, I'm happy for them. I'm at peace knowing that that's where their mind is. And, um, you know, when my, when we talk to their grown adults, so we talk and we go back and forth on different things, on different views and politics, but they're their own people and they see what's going on and have their own ideals and stuff. And, you know, it's just good to be able to have those conversations with them because I do have grand grandkids, they're raising kids and, you know, what's being instilled in them and how are they dealing with this and what are they seeing? So, um, when I do react, I am going to 
defend my friends or family member of a different ethnicity or color when someone might say a racist thing to me. But again, with my family, you know, I was raised around it my whole life. And so I heard stuff that is not right. And I wanted to be away from, I wanted to be different than that. I, that's not how I wanted to be. And mm -hmm. so that's kind of took me where I am. Yeah. Yeah. So great. Yeah, I want to, Maya, I appreciate that question. Uh, it's so funny, as soon as you said it, I wanted to be ungentlemanly and jump in front of Wavy and answer it because I had a situation that was, uh, so I told you that when we play basketball, we've been doing it for probably the better part of 12 years now at Oakwood High School, mm -hmm. and it's on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays in the morning, and we're really blessed to have access to that gym. And and we've always had, we want new people coming in just so we can keep playing basketball and we don't care where they come from. We had some uh, young men come in from, uh, uh, that come in that were invited that we didn't know. And they got out of hand playing basketball. And, and it might be commonplace where they play it in the inner city, maybe at the Croc Center or whatever, but, but they were throwing it on the N-word. And I've walked up to one of them and I said, two things here. I said, I've got to kind of speak to you like you're one of my sons. Number one, I said, there is a kid up in the bleachers that is just waiting for us to be done so that he can come down and play basketball because he's here about a half hour before school starts. You need to act in a way that you want him to have a vision of you. And I said, the language that you're using right now is degrading yourself so bad that you're going to cause him through your own action to have an opinion that is completely different because I know the gentleman that invited you here and I hold him in the highest regard and there's no way he would have invited you here mm -hmm. if you were the way that you were acted. And I don't have a problem with that because I've always been a coach, mm -hmm. but I kind of called that out. And that's a little bit 180 from what you were asking. Cause I called it out from a young black man mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. last night prior to this. Uh, my son called me and uh, with the protests going on here in Beaver Creek and Centerville, uh, there had been some rumors that they were going to be uh, violent mm -hmm. and maybe some other groups were going to come in. And so I asked him to come back home and be here around the house. And uh, he asked me, he asked me two things. He said, what do you think about the protesters? And I remember telling him last night, and it probably wasn't exactly what he thought he was going to hear. I said, I think the protesters, whether you're calling them protesters or looters, I think that they feel like they don't have any other voice, Logan. Mm. And some of the ones that might be acting the worst, I, somewhere deep down inside, they feel as if they have no other voice. And I said, how sad is that, that they don't, and Logan is not a good communicator. Logan will tell you he's not a good communicator. I said, for them, for their emotion to come out in that sideways manner where they couldn't figure out any other way to communicate it except for that to take place. And he says, well, all right, I understand that a little bit, you know, but what do you think about what happened to George, uh, George Floyd? And I says, doesn't it break your heart what happened to George Floyd? And he just kind of gave me this, I wish you could hear Logan say it because I'm going to do a really good Logan fan impression right now. <laughs> I said, doesn't it hurt your heart? And he says, yeah, it does. And I knew it landed mm -hmm. with him right there. You know, you know your kids, Maya, you and DJ know your kids and you can just hear the tone in their voice and wavy. You hear your kids and your grandkids, and when they communicate with you in a voice, it's a voice we long to hear because it's a voice that understands. Right. We, we hope that we get through to them where they understand. It landed with him. Mm -hmm. And he was kind of like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this, this is uh, it's, it's definitely a um, time like I've never seen before and didn't think I would see this. On top of us being in quarantine, quarantine um, you know everybody was just ready to explode but one thing that's been very comforting is seeing um uh white people 
become allies. And I know back in the civil rights times, there was people, there was white people that marched with Martin Luther King. Mm-hmm. But I think in, in this day and time, this day and age, just, just for me to be able to see it is like, cause I, I'm one who is like, like for instance, Greg, like me and you, we eat dinner. Wavy, we, when I did go to boot camp. <laughs> I'm coming, but yeah, but, but you know, it, it was it was just such a mixture of people. I mean, from uh, um, uh, like Hazel being from Cambodia, uh, Cambodia. Philippines, Philippines, Philippines. Mm-hmm. We had Asians, we had uh, Hispanics, Blacks, Whites, and you know, just seeing this melting pot. So, like you said earlier, Wavy, I totally identify with. I believe there's more good people than there is bad people. But if you listen to the news, the world is just doomed. But I think the percentage of great is better, is higher than a percentage of than bad. Mm. If you know, if you know what I'm saying. I um, so I, I, I'm, I'm what I'm seeing now, and even us having a conversation. But I'm also seeing protests, people going out to protest for equality for uh, racial equality and it's, it's very comforting now and this is one thing that i have to say um too when people ask me about the protesting i'm like i'm 100 percent for the protesting i'm 50 50 with the rioting i'm 50 50 because it's like i think when people are frustrated you you have no other choice but to just sometimes just explode you know i, I sometimes I sometimes can't. that's the only way that they feel like they can be hurt yeah or, or i mean, I mean yeah, exactly. Because I know sometimes when I have a fit of a temper or something, I've been trying to say this. Now I'm just reacting. Mm-hmm. But the other 50% of me is like, wait, I need to sit back and strategize and come up with a plan. So because, I mean, I can go out here and do all this, and then now I got a big mess to clean up. Mm. Now, now the matters are worse. So that's where I'm 50-50. Like, sometimes yeah. I need to be heard. And if you can't hear me, then maybe if I flip this table over, then you can hear me like Jesus did. Well, I got, I've got to, I've got to cut out. I hope okay. that I hope four by four people do like we did because I always wonder about how many people do it when the spotlight's on, mm-hmm. but I hope that people during the day are reaching out to people that they love, even when no one else knows the integrity definition of integrity. I tell my two sons this all the time. Definition of integrity is doing the right thing when nobody else knows you're doing the right thing Mm -hmm. and you do the right thing every day. And that's what integrity is. I hope that there's some integrity out there and I hope that uh, people are reaching out the way that we're doing it right here, because this is what's going to make a difference right here. I honestly think so. It's got to happen on a lot bigger scale, but uh, Holy smokes, if this is the place that we start then, but, uh, uh, Wavy, it was so fantastic to meet you. Maya, I long for the day that I get a chance to meet you in person. I want to give you a great big hug. DJ, you know. Love you, man. Man, nice oh, to meet man, you, oh, man. I can't explain, man. Yeah, man. I hope that you guys have it. Thank you so much for letting me be a part of this right here, okay? Absolutely. This ain't the last time, Greg. We, we got more conversations. Oh, my God. Anytime. I, 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 would, I would really be honored. Thank you very much. Yes, sir. Nice to meet All you. Right. Hey, very nice. Have a good evening. All right. You, you too, Greg. So, yeah, Wavy. Um, but I, I am glad about the things like, even though I hate to see George Floyd, what happened to George Floyd happen, I'm happy to see the other, like, it, it's unfortunate it took this, but I'm happy to see it at the same time. I am happy to see people standing together of all races and people are standing up saying, hey, Black Lives Matter. Uh, and then you got some people that come and say all lives matter. It's like, yes, right now we're dealing with a situation though. So the all lives matter is a, is a different, you know, conversation. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I, I, I do appreciate you sharing your story. Uh, I was, I was, that's why I just posted like, wow. <laughs> right, right. When I seen it, I was just like, wow. Mm-hmm. So um, did you have anything else to add? No. Wait, just call him when for, for the for the boot camp, okay? <laughs> I will, I'll be like, look, where you at? <laughs> to come back. <laughs> yeah, I, I've been thinking about it since we ain't really been having anything else going on. I'm like, I gotta get down there. Cause I, have you been lately? I have, it was so refreshing to be out there. The first night there was about 10 to 12 of us, everybody, mm-hmm. you know, and um, just to be outside, to see everybody, those familiar faces. And, mm-hmm. and then um, that was on a Wednesday. Then the next week we came back out I wasn't there Monday, it was Memorial Day, but I was there that Wednesday and there was maybe 
35 of us out there and it was amazing. It was, I mean, and it, you know, it just brings us all together. Every, like you said, people, we've been cooped up for so long just to get mm -hmm. out and, and love on each other with everything that's been going on. It's just, you know, to be able to lean into them yeah. with stuff that you're feeling heavy, then it was, yeah. it was good to be out there. Yeah, absolutely. And you're outdoors, so you can throw some distance. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> mm, I guess. I guess we yeah. still social distancing. How do, how do you feel about that right now? Where are you at with that? Where where and and I'll tell you where I'm at. I'm 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 so confused. Let me put that out there first. I am so confused. There's so much being said that is like, wear a face masks, don't wear one. Wear gloves, don't wear gloves. Uh, don't go out, stay in. And it's like I don't know what to do. But I'm at a place where, like for instance, my kids are at my mother's house, their their granny's house about a month ago it was like y'all can't even leave the house so but we're starting to loosen up a little bit we're like so those little things like right now they're there for a few days and it's like that's their first time being in another house we're glad to be gone and I'm we're glad to be gone but it feels like okay because you know when you have kids it's, it's a more it's, it's a different level of intensity and then mm. we were in school and it was just like okay everybody take a step back you know, right. But it's I'm sorry. At um at my work being I've I've been able to continue to go into work throughout all this. Um with our offices there's four of us in there, but we're kind of separated by, you know, that six foot barrier. Mm -hmm. Um if I leave my office I have to wear a mask. That's mm -hmm. right now that's the only time I wear a mask. Mm -hmm. Um my my grandkids have been here because sometimes I'm the one I, at first too was the one watching them when my kids and you know their fiance and stuff was at work they were coming here so we have when we all get together there's about nine of us so mm -hmm. we have continued out actually all three of our grandkids have had birthdays throughout this quarantine so mm -hmm. we've just been trying to stay to stay that poor together um my husband and I did go out to dinner. We, it was, again, we were out on the patio at Roosters and it was just refreshing just to be out there. I'm like, you know, this is, you know, just hearing all the people talking and getting back to some type of normalcy. Um, I've been yearning for that. I've been going crazy, just not having a place to go. Right. So, um, so that it has been nice to kind of see that. And, um, you know, I have a dad who he's been staying home. So I go out and do his grocery shopping for him to bring it back. And, you know, so we got different things going on there, but, um, it's just, I'm, I'm looking forward to just this. I pray that God wipes it out of our world, our country, just for it right. to be gone. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yep. Yep. Well, Wavy, thank you so much for being on here. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Nice yeah. to meet you, Maya. Yeah. yeah. Don't hang up yet. Don't hang up yet. But um, thank you all, everybody, for tuning in. This is another edition of the Dorsey Den Podcast. I am DJ Doris E. And I am Maya Dorsey. And uh, we will holler at you all later. Until next time. Holla.